Support for this podcast is brought to you by Santa's Little Helper Ghostwriting Service. Having trouble communicating what you want from Santa? Frustrated by a lackluster letter to the big guy? Concerned that your split infinitives and dangling participles are keeping you from really connecting with the grand jolly old elf? Our team of English-obsessed expert letter writers can help you craft the perfect letter to Santa, sure to guarantee that he brings you exactly what you want. Santa's Little Helper Ghostwriting Service, your answer to boring letters. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic! I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another exciting episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. How is everyone this week, guys? Doing good. Good, but it's like 80 degrees here. It looks like fall outside, but it feels like summer, and it's so confusing because all the Starbucks drinks are out and Target's decked out in the holiday stuff, but meanwhile, you walk outside and you're sweating. Horrible. We didn't get out of the mid fifties like today. So... <laughs> I'm, so I'm really jealous. I don't even know when it's supposed to cool down. Like the rest of this week is supposed to be very warm as well. I spent as much yeah, time outside today as I could. Into the eighties. Yeah, it's beautiful. I was so happy with the weather. It gets me all excited too. Well, just a quick side note before we go into our movie for the week. Um, some of you may have noticed that we were a little late posting the podcast this week. Um, that was just a minor flub, um, mostly on my behalf, but to a testament to how great we are as a team, Tom, Anthony, and I. Um, I took a first stab at editing, and it was a little rockier than most, and so they saved my rear end a time or two on that, and that's why it sounds amazing. So um, for those of you that got the little preview, consider it a nice uh, peek behind the curtain into our process. (laughs) And and we appreciate your graciousness and patience and working with us on that. So thank you, listeners, for all of that. Well, guys, let's jump right in. Let's talk Santa's sleigh. But before we do, Anthony, you want to give us a plot summary? Sure. I'm very glad I didn't have to write it this week because I wouldn't even know where to begin trying to summarize this movie. (laughs) It turns out that Santa Claus is not really the cuddly, harmless old fellow that we all know and love. In fact, he's a devil, and the only thing that has been keeping his bad side in check all this time is a bet he lost with an angel. Now, the bet has expired, and 1,000 years of good cheer will be replaced by Christmas fear. This Christmas will be a violent night of chaos, with Santa bashing his way through town. Local boy Nicholas, his girlfriend Mac, and his crazy grandfather 
they're the only ones who know the truth about Santa and can save their town and the world. That plot summary is so much better than the movie. If you haven't seen it, that should give you a good indication <laughs> of where this episode is going. Uh, uh, so, histories with this movie. I'll jump in because I think I was the only one who had seen it before this, right? Oh, yes. God. This movie came out back in 2005. <laughs> Uh, when Blockbuster and Hollywood Video were still a thing. And my wife and I had an unlimited rental at Hollywood Video. And so we burned through a lot of movies quickly, as young adults do. And I saw this one and got it on a, on a lark and we watched it. It wasn't what I remember. <laughs> at all it was so much worse so when i got to watch it this week it was not the warm fuzzy happy memories that charlie brown and home alone and elf have brought (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna leave it there because i think we're gonna cover everything else anthony you don't have a history do you well i when you had recommended this movie the title sounded familiar, and I thought I had seen parts of the movie before. But having watched it, I realized I was thinking of a straight-up horror slasher film, which this movie was not. I don't know what I was expecting, but after the first ten minutes and that bonkers opening scene, I was just like, okay, this is going to be a wild ride, and unlike any other movie we've covered so far, just fair warning, guys, I don't know what my score for this movie is yet. I don't. So I'm going to decide that after this conversation we have tonight on the fly. And I'll explain why I don't have that score yet later on because I don't want to give that all away. Yeah, that's my boring history of this movie. I don't know what to think of this movie. I don't have a score for this movie. Julia, what's your history with this film? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've had a... (laughs) I've had an 18-hour history with this movie <laughs> as of recording date. Um, yeah, I, I had never heard of it before Tom mentioned it and had not watched it before renting it today and can safely say that will be the last time I view it. Um, oh, you had to pay money for this movie? I did. I oh. paid two ninety nine dollars <laughs> on Amazon. <laughs> I think that I'll Be Home for Christmas was a better spend of two ninety nine. I yeah. feel like are, yeah, are, I feel are like we, we need getting a, right into that. I feel like we need a donate button on our website to reimburse Julia for renting I'll Be Home for Christmas and Santa Slay. So if you would like to help Julia feel better about her decision to, to rent those by making whoa, a small whoa, whoa. donation. I wound in on this because I rented I'll Be Home for Christmas too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we can, we can throw a little bit of love to uh, Anthony and Julia. We'll put a link up for a donate in the show notes for this episode. <laughs> So we've started the plot. This giant Santa has been good and nice for a thousand years. But now this curse that he had, I guess he considers it a curse, uh, from a lost bet with an angel where he had to be nice for a thousand years is over. And he gets to go around killing and slaughtering people. We learn he's apparently the Antichrist or son of Satan. Can I just interject and make a point of noting that the bet he lost was a curling contest? <laughs> the, anti- that that, the Antichrist and one of God's angels had a curling contest. <laughs> To see whether or not this guy would stop killing a bunch of people every Christmas. Yeah, it was a curling contest. And, you know, we talked in the past about uh, how how Elf and um, Krampus did the throwback to the Rankin and Bass animated films and live action films. This movie attempted to do that. 
but it gave me no good feelings whatsoever. That was oh. awful. The curling animated, stop animated, whatever they were trying to accomplish with the curling was just absolutely an eyesore. It looked terrible. That was on purpose though, right? Like, I don't that, know, that, was it? That's one of the things I'm trying to figure out. And this is why, part of the reason I don't have a score yet. This movie had to know what it was, right? They were purposefully trying to be an over-the-top, ridiculous slasher comedy, right? Like, they were purposefully being bad, right? They failed at even that. Well, let's just jump in and discuss the cast. Did you guys know David uh, Steinman before we watched this? The director? Not right off, no. Mm-mm. Uh, he was, he's been part of the crew for several uh, movies, including Castaway and The Family Man, which we'll cover later. Um, but he doesn't really have much experience before or after as a director or writer. He wrote and directed it. I wonder why. So I have no clue. How did he assemble that cast for the opening scene? They ha- James Caan had to have lost a bet. He had to have. Like, they to all an had angel? to have lost a curling? bet. curling? <laughs> <laughs> lost a curling bet to me it was a uh, i had a quarter for every time <laughs> but we start out and we have james con who's the 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 patriarch of this family and his kids and grandkids and and son-in-law are all there fran drescher uh and chris Catan have some sort of weird really disgusting flirt scene under the table <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris Kattan's wife, who's played by Rebecca Gayhart, is watching. I, and and they all seem to be somewhat okay with this, at least, except for James Caan threatens to stab him with I mean, it was just so over the top and unbelievable. But my yeah, first but that four- to hit you right out of the gate was just like, uh, yeah. That really sets a tone, doesn't it? It does. I mean, first four bullet points are literally just their names. James Kahn, Frank Dreschner, Rebecca yeah. Gayhart, Chris Kattan. I had no idea what was going on. I was like, how did this movie get these people? I exactly. don't understand. I don't get it. I, I guess they're trying to go for a family stone or home for the holidays, dysfunctional family again fired on no cylinders whatsoever none of it was was believable so they're sitting around the opening scene to give you an idea they're sitting around having this dysfunctional overly sexualized christmas dinner overly 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 like overly wait julia it's a family christmas dinner scene with what did you what did you think of it (laughs) it's your favorite type of christmas movie scene I love dysfunctional family dinner scenes. Yes. This was like twisted and off because I do. I love a dysfunctional family, but this like took it a step too far or it was just like, there was nothing redeemable about any of these people. Like none of them. So you didn't all. like it when Chris Kattan starts putting his hand at Fran Drescher's skirt under the table. <laughs> yeah. I could have done without that. Oh. I mean, you got to say, but this you know, is- I wonder about movies like this, whether they're be great or not be great or whatever, if the whole point is for you to change mindset, right? Because it does get to a point with characters like this where you want to see them die. I don't care how sweet and nice and perfect you are and forgiving. Like, I was ready to see Fran Drescher get lit on fire and death by eggnog. I mean, it's it <laughs> like this mentality shift. When Santa came down the chimney and burst through the chimney and she She's like, Santa? And he's like, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. I was like, what is going on? And then he just kicks the dog in the face and tumbles over the table. And I'm like, what the? Like, it definitely set the tone for what this movie is. He was played by Bill Goldberg, uh, who I guess is a wrestler. And did you know he's from Tulsa, Julia? I did know that. I did, I did not. You guys have something to be proud of. This movie. Well, you know, wrestling is is real near and dear to my heart. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's not. You <laughs> <laughs> can't even hear that without laughing. But he does. He does this like like somersault on the table, and and he swallows some alcohol, and then. Sp- Bits it out with fire and burns, Fran, catches Fran Drescher's hair on fire. After stabbing James Conn's hands into the table. With forks. With forks. fork and knife. And then he once What once was her, the one girl impaled on when he knocked the chair over? I couldn't even I tell. Like a chair leg or something. Yeah, like it was some piece of furniture. I couldn't get past the fact that he literally growled at her and like it knocked her over. I'm like, that's a fearsome growl. The thing I couldn't get past in this opening scene was that awful hair on fire. I complain all the time about movies going over the top with CGI. This one really went way under the bottom. But then you see Fran Drescher with her, her, her scalp supposedly burned and just patches of hair. Um, and I do have to say he made very Christmassy death scene here, you know, by uh, much so. drowning her in the eggnog and then sh- shoving a turkey leg down James Conn's throat and then slamming his head into the table. There is one running gag throughout this movie that started in this scene that I found kind of funny, though. And it's when every time he enters a house, he hangs up his hat. I, I didn't see that. that. He like, oh, I didn't notice that. He doesn't hang it up. He literally takes it off and throws it and somehow it magically uh-huh. like, sticks his hat was the coolest part of his outfit if you ask me it was a non-traditional santa hat but it looked really cool but overall hashtag not my santa hashtag santa the cost the rest of the costume i wasn't a fan of at all but that hat was cool and his sleigh was nice yeah i didn't mind the sleigh i didn't mind the tauntaun that was pulling it it wasn't bad. The heldier. 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 Looks like a buffalo. Does. That's what I wrote. White buffalo. What the? Yeah. In my notes, I'm like, oh, buffalo. I was wondering if there was some sort of Native American reference to the white buffalo, but nope. It was a heldier. Do you, do, do, do you think a movie like this put in little references like that, Tom? I don't think they I, I don't think they thought that through. I don't know why they call it a deer, though. It doesn't look like a deer. Mm-mm. I really wonder what their payday was on this, though. The, that handful of characters, particularly Khan and Fran Drescher, like, what were they paid to do this movie? I mean, because it, I just, I think they probably did it as a fa- <laughs> for free as a favor to the director. That's Does usually that that's usually how actors like this end up in movies like these for three minutes, like a favor. They owed somebody a favor, and they just showed up for a day. I don't know. It makes me think less of them. Is that bad? Okay. Like, oh, I'm gonna, did, I don't know I'm if you guys noticed this, about James Caan. He chose to be uncredited in this film. <laughs> I wonder why. That was a good choice. <laughs> but like, if I was James Caan, though, or a serious actor, every now and then I'd want to bring out my goofy side a little. I don't know. I'm just saying, I can't fault the guy. If, if he did it of his own volition and his hand wasn't twisted because, you know, he lost a bet. But I think there are much better bad movies to be a part of than this one. Okay, there's. I'm just gonna say it right. I'm just gonna say it right now. This movie is horrible. But I was never bored watching this movie. No, it's not boring. It's As, not I was boring. not bored. I was not bored. I, I was in a perpetual state of uh, shock <laughs> and like laughing uncomfortably throughout the whole thing. But I was not bored. And I'll say this for a movie like this. They didn't try to drag it out. It was under an hour and 20 minutes. So I appreciate them for keeping it short. Oh, it felt way longer to me. And I got uh, bored at the yeah. end. 
I totally got bored at the end. Like, I feel like there was a place they should have just ended it, but then it kept going. And uh, it was just, I got bored at the end. <laughs> I feel like there's an Arthur Christmas <laughs> snarky comment coming up. <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that right now. But uh, my head hurts even thinking about it again. Um, no, it's not boring. You can't say it's boring. There are uh, very creative death scenes throughout the film. I'm um, so glad the old lady in the second scene died very quickly because she was annoying. Although I did, I did find some of her stuff funny. Have a very happy holiday. Don't use that political language with me. It's Christmas. We say Merry Christmas. <laughs> Speaking I know of that, her. can you give me the? <laughs> We can do a quick rundown of the uh, the rest of the characters real quick. We don't need to spend a lot of time on any of them. Nicholas Yulson was played by Douglas Smith. This may be about it for him. <laughs> um, His girlfriend has a lot of memorable parts and other things she's done. I love Emile DeRaven. I loved her in like everything she does, and she was my favorite character in this movie. She was one of my favorite characters in Lost. I love her in Lost. I love her in Once Upon a Time. She was in the movie Brick. You remember that one? Mm-mm. I don't think I do. It was a good film. And she was in Roswell. So she's, I mean, she's got some, some, I remember her from Roswell. Um, she looks so young in this movie. And oh, realized. she looks like a baby. 2005. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was a few years before she did lost and you can definitely tell she grew up a lot in those years. But yeah, the- she was the only one I liked in this movie. I liked her. I guess she was, I would say she was a strong woman character. She didn't take crap from any of the guys. She no. took charge multiple times throughout the movie. And I appreciated that. I appreciated her snark with Nick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. Nick Yulson. Come on. That was a little uh, over the top. Max a nickname though. Cause I'm pretty sure they said her name was Mary at one point. And I, because I wrote down my notes, Nick, Nicholas and Mary, uh, like they're very obvious with the Christmas names here. Mary Mac McKenzie, yeah. Okay. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I think I caught on to Mary because I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, they're really hitting you over the head with these Christmas names, Nicholas and Mary. There's a lot of hitting over the head with, figuratively. <laughs> and literally. As well as literally <laughs> in this movie. Did a gra- lot. <laughs> did the grandpa actually have a name? All I knew him as was grandpa. Um, I didn't catch it. So we didn't hear what which angel he was, supposedly. But he's played by Robert Culp, who I had only known from... Uh, I'd seen him on Everybody Loves Raymond years ago. I love Everybody Loves Raymond. And when I got the notes you sent us earlier, Tom, and you had him, parentheses, he's in that show. I was like, who was he on this? And then I realized, oh, it's Deborah's father. He looks yep. nothing like it in this film. Because on that show, he was like this rich, uppity, kind of, not snob, but like a pretentious guy. Not some weird angel living in the realm of men and procreating and having grandchildren. And and being this- an amazing curler. I can't get over the curling contest. <laughs> And having an awesome book, that Book of Claws, um, which had some great illustrations in it, by the way. Yeah, it really did. And actually, speaking of illustrations, I did like the opening credits, how they showed him throughout the years as the curse went by, all the drawings as the years went by of him evolving as Santa and bringing toys to children. I actually did like the opening credits. The opening credits infuriated me. What? I mean, the pictures are whatever. 
you know what I didn't like and you know what I couldn't not see after I saw what I saw was all those nonsensical characters that were clearly not real words. Like I don't, they were just typing like J G G G F G F G F G. And then in the middle of all the little letters in a horrible font, by the way, was the cast name. But then they would repeat the cast name in the bottom in green so that you could see what it was. Like what's why? I mean, I don't so lazy. That was so lazy. See, I just focused on the pictures. I didn't. Oh, see, and I'm sure they were trying to get you to focus on the pictures. At which point, why put all of the nonsensical <laughs> crap letters in there in the first place? It is horrible design, and I'm maybe expecting a little bit too much out of this movie when it comes to the opening credits. But that about killed me when I saw it. Tom, what did you do with this movie choice? You brought out angry Julia instead of angry oh. Anthony. What does it say about me? That's the typography that brings out angry Julia. <laughs> so while we're talking, writer. while we're talking Gosh. typography, did you see the, uh, the the Ryan Gosling SNL skit on Papyrus and Avatar? Yes, yes, the best SNL skit I've seen in quite some time. <laughs> yeah, I was rolling that whole time. Um, that's that's all I could think when I was seeing that awful font they chose. Um, so people who are in the movie business, please pay attention to fonts. There are those of us who really get turned off by them. <laughs> How did um, you guys feel about the opening title? How it originally said Satan Slay and then they switched the letters to spell Satan. I thought that was clever, honestly. I, I, I mean, grasping I at it. straws, I was like, all right, that was I, fun. I grew up with people who n- made that connection of Satan, Santa. So for me, it was just a, a, a bad trip down fundamentalist lane i never made that connection younger it wasn't until i got the iphone and like autocorrect sometimes switches in i'm like no i never mean satan (laughs) (laughs) you don't know me at all theory (laughs) (laughs) um Oh, oh, that's so funny. I never mean Satan. <laughs> whether we want, wherever we want to look at our, our origin story for the, for the modern Santa Claus, whether it's, you know, um, the chip, typical attribution of, of Santa Claus's Father Christmas being St. Nicholas or uh, going back to the older pagan connection of of some form of odin in either case this version of santa claus is the least favorite one i have ever seen the santa origin story is terrible and yeah i really when i just think of the idea of santa being evil it makes me want to throw up me too it enrages me it really does but did you guys get the harry potter connection in this film real quick oh we can't go another episode without harry potter so please yeah i didn't get one yeah, okay. The connection was I wanted to watch all eight of those films before putting this one on and finishing it. So I'm just saying. <laughs> and I was hoping I wasn't the only one who felt that way. No, I would really much rather see that. I do have a question for you both. What was your favorite murder scene? I don't know. I'm, sl- I'm split between two. I like when he's murdering the guy on the street and the daughter and her dad walk out. And they, I guess they think he's a Salvation Army Santa. And as they're walking away, his bells are ringing as he's murdering this guy. And the girl says to her dad, is an angel getting his wings, daddy? So I like that scene. <laughs> but I also really liked when he murdered... Um, the guy at the Jewish deli with the no, not the menorah. Hey, oh, I got to give them credit. This was definitely a a that made this a seasonal movie, less of a Christmas movie because we we're able to incorporate the Jewish faith. No, I just loved when Nick walked in and saw his boss dying. He says to him, 
Santa's real, and then he <laughs> Santa is real, and then he just conks out and dies. Well, when I first saw it, and he he stabbed <laughs> the delicatessen owner, I was like, okay, so how is he still up there? What's going on? I was wondering if we were going to get to see him, and and oh, we did, we did, the bad twitching and the. I think at that point is when I realized that there had to be some level of self-awareness of what this film was because of how horrible the death scene was. Oh. There's no way that menorah would have supported his body weight. No. Mm-mm. There's just no way. Why I like that scene is because he put up a fight. He did. Yeah, I liked his character. And I know you're supposed to like his character. And part of me was like, I like this guy. So he's going to be pivotal to turning this whole thing around. Right? They're not going to let this guy die in vain. And he did. Did you notice that Santa had cheese stuck to his back, though, after he uh, got done with that old part yeah. from flying through the case? That <laughs> was me a little bit. Um, so my favorite death scene were those two jerk kids who get their heads blown off from exploding packages. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fist in the air moment. And I'm like, yes, I want to see those kids die. <laughs> I don't know if it was a death scene, but um, I really liked it when he was eating his candy cane and he had that sharp point mm-hmm. and just stabbed the guy through the eye and then completely destroyed him. I think that was the scene I had referenced with the little girl, right? That was that night, right? I didn't remember the little girl, probably. So yeah. I, I just liked him using a pointy candy cane. Yeah, We've all done that with our that. candy canes, haven't we? I mean, not the murdering somebody with them, but stepped on them and sharpened them to a point. <laughs> you, you were a little too quickly uh, d- denying that when nobody accused you in the first place. We've all stabbed people in the eyes with sharp candy canes. <laughs> I have. I really like doing that. And the weird sense of sharpy, pointy pain you get when the point goes on your tongue. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I do. But, you know, apparently I'm a little... <laughs> scary sometimes murdery <laughs> this, movie, murdery. No, this, bring, this movie goes beyond angry <laughs> julia this movie goes straight <laughs> to murdery julia <laughs> when the delicatessen got murdered though i did like the puns with the cops uh looks like someone punched out mr green's festival of lights okay something just isn't kosher here <laughs> This movie is so offensive. It's so incredibly offensive. (laughs) I swear to you, I rewound it three or four times because when Nicholas is in the delicatessen because his boss is pinned up against the wall and the two cops are in the street talking to the group of Hasidic Jews that are out there. Did you hear that one cop like getting their names? Mm -mm. And oh man, I should have written it down. But he called one of them like some, I can't even... Anything I say won't do it justice, and it's horribly offensive, and it was so funny. Like, felt really bad about it funny. It's, a, it's horribly offensive. I can't say it, guys, but tr- it's hilarious. Yeah, it was really funny. You know, I feel really Actually, it wasn't. It was offensive in that the fact that the cop was clearly not trying to get his correct name. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. And yeah, he, yeah. So it wasn't just, like, outwardly offensive, but, like, the name he chose to call him was really funny. Anyway. I didn't write it down. So I did find it surprising that Bill Goldberg used the menorah to kill somebody. I learned researching this before I watched it. He's he's an observant Jew and has refused to play football and wrestle on Jewish high holidays. So the idea that he would, you know, in this film, use a menorah to kill somebody was very interesting to me. I mean, I think a lot of people can probably separate it, especially in show business. Did either of you guys try to do a body count throughout the film? No. I had a hard time. I couldn't tell if some people were dead or not. I would have lost 
track when he was in the stripper club. I'm not sure uh, the strip club. I'm not sure how many people he killed inside of there. I found a version of this without the strip club scene, so I didn't. I didn't see that. Oh well, he goes he into on the strip club and completely uh, murders the whole club full of people, but there were a lot of people in there. He was able to make coal appear in his hands and rub it and it set fire and he set the place on fire. Interesting. So I fast forwarded through that scene, but one of, when the pastor is talking about it the next day is saying, let's pray for those that we lost. I'm not going to lie. The one that got me is Dixie wrecked. Made me laugh. Like, embarrassing laugh. Like, people were looking at me like, why is she laughing? I'm like, oh, I should not be laughing at that. But that made me laugh. All those names were terrible. All of them. So, okay. There are some pretty funny parts of this movie that have to do with, you know, these kind of quirky names and all that stuff. I mean, beyond the fact that the town is named Hell, which uh, took Hell me to realize it was named Hell Township. Yeah, yeah, Hell Township. So, when he's searching and he uses Huya. Instead of Yahoo, and the little thing goes, Hoo-ya! and then he looks at NORAD, NORAD? Gonad instead. And then when they have that whole conversation about Officer Cock and Bush. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, so many of those. Okay, so they knew they, the whole heaven sent delicatessen. Sent supposed to be like sent, right? And not mm-hmm. like sent. All right. Good, because... I think I was in a stink and I'm like, I can't believe they misspelled scent in a movie and that they came to it. And then I was like, oh, it's supposed to be like that. Okay. Yeah, the, those parts were kind of funny. There were some really terrible lines through this film, though. It, it's, I have a lot written down. But before we get into them, I want to say to the listeners, it's kind of just hard to talk. The reason we're just talking about the kills and about to get into the quotes is there's no plot to this movie. So no, Santa's not, there to kill people. Yeah, that, that, that is the complete plot. So we're not like phoning it in with this one. We're just <laughs> talking about what's in this movie. Kind of have the underlying thing with the grandfather who, you know, everybody thinks is the town kook and all of that. And you realize at the end that he, he was kooky for a reason reason but i mean even that it's just them running from santa and santa catching up to them and them running from santa and santa killing people and and santa always having a really bad one-liner right before he's about to kill them yeah if he spoke looks like grandpa got run over by a reindeer (laughs) i had that one right (laughs) honey i had the most terrible nightmare visions of sugar plums santa kills the pastor Okay, can we can we talk quotes? Because I have a lot. We Let's can ro- do. We can rotate. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I loved when he's talking on the NORAD system, and he types in, "Is this Santa tracking system real?" And they reply, first, how old are you?" And he puts in sixteen, and they're like, "No, and neither is Santa." I'm sorry, your parents never had this conversation. With I like uh, Nicholas's quote, file that next to brown colored toilet paper is a bad idea. (laughs) I like it when when Nick and Mac or Mary are face to face with Santa and Nick's like, ha ha, you know, we got you. The clock's just struck midnight at the pole. And Santa says, you know, most people make the same mistake. The correct time at this pole is completely discretionary because the poles are where all the time zones actually converge. And Mac just looks at me. He's scary yet educational. (laughs) (laughs) I like like when they're trying to 
break into the school or the rink or wherever they are and they're she's kind of like stuck in the window and he's like you're gonna need to suck it in and she's like you're gonna need to push from the top i swear to god nicholas am i going to have to make every first move in this relationship oh, gosh i like that quit using our lord's name in vain <laughs> <laughs> I like it when they're speaking of the school, when they're in the school and Santa's got the copy of a Christmas Carol and he just look, boy, boy, Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> when Santa, uh, this toward the beginning, I get, I think he's going after somebody. I don't even know the context. It's just that the line written down, he quotes that really bad song and he's like, just complete straight move, get out of the way. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh yeah, when he's chasing the, the the old lady in the car with the hell deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was. I that, that's all I could think was that was that ludicrous song. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's a ludicrous. All I could think was that's a pretty accurate representation of traffic at Christmas time. Sometimes. <laughs> wow, Christine, if you're listening, you should be really happy that I just made a hip hop pop culture reference. That's a big deal for me, guys. I don't know my hip hop. No, normally I don't either. That's one area of music I don't usually listen to, believe it or not, before any of the jokes come. But, um. My mouth is so shy. Hey, I will, after this movie, Anthony, and the soundtrack it had, I will never again say a thing about your taste in Christmas music. You are leaps and bounds ahead of this terrible, terrible movie that is so awful. I had to go out of my way to find the song we're using for the closing credit, Christmas in Detroit. And Anthony couldn't even find the song from the car (laughs) Um, so i recall i recall real quick as for let me follow that side note so when we were doing i'll be home for christmas and one of my positive takeaways was it's got some good music in it i recall tom saying when it comes to a christmas movie if you mess up the music you got real problems and i as i was watching this movie i'm like well there it is messed up the music this it's music just, is terrible there's a sound bite for everything tom <laughs> oh, okay so um, i got i got one more quote out i don't know if we're, yeah, we're going to pass yeah to. i have a few more too but i love it when when santa says why i'm just here to spread a little yuletide fear <laughs> I have that one. <laughs> um, I liked when they're leaving the deli at the beginning of the movie, and um, Mac says to her boss, "Merry Chanaka," and he's like, "Merry Christmas to you too." I just found that cute because she wasn't saying it in a mean way; it was kind of just like a teasing, gentle ribbing type of way. And I liked that. I think that was. I think that's where where the scene where I uh, just seeing Mac and Nick and the delicatessen owner interact was where you really saw. I, I was with you, Julie. I thought this guy's a good guy. He's going to somehow play a role in, in defeating Santa. But that's the other thing we have to remember about this stupid movie. Nobody defeats Santa. Like <laughs> oh my the God. whole movie. When you said there was no plot, like throughout the whole thing, if you have not seen this listener out there, Nick and Mary slash Mac are going through the whole thing, trying to foil Santa because they know who he is and they know about him, but nothing happens we are at the same place at the end where santa looks at the screen to break the fourth wall and just says who's next leaving room for a a sequel that will never happen 
when when he sits down though, when he's just kind of like excuse me and sits down between the two ladies, like polite. I and man, I laughed like I laughed at that. Just because he's like so huge and broad, and he just sits between these two tiny old ladies, and this whole movie is all violent, and he's just like excuse me, and then he just sits. Down. That was funny. I just found that funny. Yeah, that was really funny. I also um, liked when Nicholas shines that flashlight at him on the hockey rink, and he goes, "I'm Santa Claus, not." Dracula. <laughs> oh. Boy, I tell you. Um, when I was researching this, and you know when he was driving the Zamboni, one mm. of the film trailers caught on fire during that scene. Oh. I think I think the film trailer was trying to end, the, end its pain. <laughs> like Fran Drescher's hair. Oh, I liked the motto on the side of the police car, crime doesn't yes. chan- stand a chance in a hell, and then it's yes. township. I had that written down. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I that also was like awesome. to eat here, get gas for that gas station. Did you recognize the gas station attendant? Maybe I'm old because I'm... Tiny? Yeah. You did. In the credits, they gave him gas attendant when I was looking at IMDb, but his shirt said tiny and it made me laugh. Another quote I liked. Sorry, one more. <laughs> This might be my favorite quote. I liked it when the granddad was talking to Nicholas and he goes, I don't know why you're afraid to use your Norse. <laughs> he scolds him about not knowing his Norse. It was funny. That. <laughs> that whole book being an Icelandic. <laughs> I, I did no like another one of the grandfather's quotes and it's when he's hanging out with Mac and Nick and then he gets up to go to bed and he's like, well, if I don't get to bed and, my, and get my beauty sleep, I'll end up looking like one of you two. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about the grandpa that left me bewildered, this angel is supposed to just be old perpetually. Like when they, when he did his curling match and he was going to beat Santa, uh, they said he was an old man. So I'm just curious if he was old then and he's old now, at what point did he have children? It just doesn't add up. Mm-mm. So we've covered all of our dislikes and the few high points that we had this movie you, i have a question it, for you guys about it though yeah do you think in the hand of a better writer and director they could have done anything with this premise and made it a better movie no i don't think i would have liked it based on the premise but do you think they could have made it a better movie whether or not it adheres to your personal tastes I don't think it could have been worse. <laughs> what about you, Julia? I mean, with an entirely different plot and a different cast, there's no telling what could happen. Well, if it's the same plot, but <laughs> just a, a plot. just a different script and director. Because no, because I'm I'm gonna go back to the scene between the delicatessen and Mac and Nick. Like scenes like that, or scenes between the two of them and the grandfather before Santa entered the picture and started directly affecting them. I think there was a kernel of something there that could have maybe been better and made for a better movie if somebody knew what to how to write these characters a little bit better. Like there were kernels of things throughout where in a better writer or director's hands they could have done something better than this. Now, far be it for me to say that they couldn't. I mean, anything's I mean, possible. I liked but... the delicatessen. I liked Mac and I, I liked the grandfather. Yeah, I really so, did too. So there were aspects I did like and I'm just thinking to myself, again, I have to believe they tried to make this as bad as possible. And maybe it had a bit in the hand of a better director. Like, I don't know. I think... There have been horror Christmas movies before. Krampus and Gremlins did well. I'm saying if they tried to inject more Christmas into it, maybe, and make it a little less fun, I don't know. I think there's something to be said that this premise could have been something in the hands of a better writer and director. 
character. I think the writer would have been the, the key component because mm-hmm. David Steinman um, doesn't know how to write. You can tell because there's no, there's nothing there. It's like Santa kill, Santa kill, Santa kill, Santa kill, sweet scene in the deli, Santa kill, grandpa, Santa kill. It was really a weak script. There was nothing really there to work with, I think, for most people, except for the couple of, of heartwarming scenes. I think if they had more of those, and I'm sorry, it needed closure at the end. We needed, an, I, I would have loved not, I'd love to have seen another bet or somehow grandpa be involved in trapping Santa again, or even if Nick did it. I mean, well, well, how would you have felt if they kind of handled it similar to the way Krampus handled it, where Santa, we didn't really even get to see until the third act. You knew it was him killing these people. You knew the legend, but they focused more on the family and their relationships. And trying to band together to overcome Santa. Yeah. Yeah, I think that could have been a better, I mean, that would have been a better story. I just, I just think there could have been something here, like you said, in the hands of a better writer. Or if it had not been Santa and it had been a Krampus film, I think it would have been better as well. Yeah, I think that's my biggest problem. I love being some Santa. It's Santa doing all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. That really bothered me. And I don't, that wouldn't change if we didn't tinker with the plot. <laughs> I don't know. That was hard for me to get past. Me too. I love Santa. Me too. I love the real St. Nicholas, and I love everything that, that the American version of Santa Claus embodies. Mm-hmm. So, is this a Christmas movie? It's a movie set during Christmas time, but it's not a Christmas movie. But I think having Santa as the main character kind of pushes it over in the Christmas category. They didn't even have a tree, except that really sad one that made Charlie Brown's tree look like the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. That stupid pole Mm -hmm. in the center of town with just ribbons around it that made it, they tried to pass off as a tree. I don't know. It just didn't feel Christmassy to me. In that sense, no, I think it's set either. during the holidays, but it's not a Christmas movie. They, I didn't really see lights anywhere. Maybe I missed it. I just saw a lot of snow, but it was set in like the Midwest, so I expect a lot of snow. I will just say it does not pass the Linus test. There is no growth. There's no revelation. Nothing happens. I'm going to disagree. <gasps> where? I'm where? Joking. Where? I'm oh, you're joking. joking. I wanted Dang to it, see I cannot it pick up Dude, on your I couldn't respond. I just went silent. Like, what <laughs> is this guy talking about? <laughs> you well, know, this is like the third time I have done that with you, Anthony. <laughs> and <Where> I, I, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, for our hundredth episode spectacular, we'll have to edit together like best sound bites from all the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no final thoughts about this movie. Nothing left to say. Do you guys? I think my final thoughts were, I think in the hands of a more capable writer and director, it could have been better. Still, at the end of this conversation, I don't know how I'm going to <laughs> degrade it. Because I can't say I was bored. I can. I, and I, I wasn't bored watching this film. I really wasn't bored watching this film. <laughs> I know where this is leading. <laughs> you're, you're already not approving. I know. I know where this is leading. <laughs> I'm just saying, I wasn't bored watching the film. Uh, it was different than I expected. Again, by the just the title alone, I was expecting a straight-up horror slasher flick. I find it hard to grade as well in terms of, I think this is a film that was trying to be what it is. I don't think they were going for anything artistic or good. They had to know while making it that it was what it was. As someone who's obsessed with the B-rate horror films and the slasher films throughout my high school and early 20s, I will still say this movie fails. But I don't think they were trying to be a B-rate horror film. I think they were just trying to be a campy bad film. Ugh. They I don't know. Failed at so, that. 
I need to listen to how you two grade it. I honestly do. I because I don't know. Julia, don't do you know. have any final thoughts before we start reviewing it? Uh, I don't like this movie. I will never watch it again. And I just, I yeah. I can't even say I'll never watch it again. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, Anthony, you're sick, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay. I might watch this again in an MST3K, or for those of you who are not familiar with it, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Well, this exactly. Be an entertaining or riff tracks. Movie yeah. To that's do how with I would. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Exactly. Let me, let me clarify. That's how I would do it. Just like I'll be home for Christmas. So maybe I have to take that into account when I'm grading this. Sorry, but in that setting, grade boy, that setting. <laughs> If Mystery Science Theater 3000 can take the worst movie I've ever seen in my life, Manos, The Hands of Fate, and make it amusing and make me laugh with a movie that literally has no plot and shows the same exact car scene driving by the same exact rural road and make me like it and laugh, they can do anything. I mean, if that's the case, I would, again, I would watch uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas again with that or with a bunch of friends ripping on the movie. Like I said, yeah, I, I've already watched the opening scene to this movie like multiple times just to show people. I'm like, Sarah, look at this movie. I have to watch this week. Because if you tell people about the opening scene and you describe it, they're not going to believe you. No, I know. James Bond <laughs> would not have a turkey leg shoved down his throat and his head smashed into the table after being stabbed by Santa. Hashtag <laughs> not my James Con. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Julia, do you want to lead us off with the, uh, the rating? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so I'm giving this movie a 0.5. Are you serious? I'm 100% serious. That's what I gave it. <gasps> it's kismet. It is. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so funny. As soon as you said 0.5, I'm like, no way. That's what my thinking. <laughs> and here comes Anthony with his nine. <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 no. That's right. No, here's what he's doing. He's got his calculator out. And he's no, got no. His hey, scores hey, written down for Arthur hey, Christmas. Hey, and he's hey, like, so what do I have to do to get this above Arthur Christmas? And really you know, jack up the whole thing. You know what? I was about to say, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by what I give it. But now maybe I want to give it a 10. Who knows? Oh, boy. I have angered, I've angered the New Yorker. Um, no. What do I want to get to? This is a real struggle for you. It, re- it really is. So okay. what's the heart so, of the struggle? Because you think in other hands it could have been something else or because well, you're trying well, to take it what it is? Well, if that's the case, then I would give I'll, I'll Be Home for Christmas a higher rating because I feel like in the hands of a more competent writer and director, that could have been a, that could have been a good movie. I mean, the whole premise of it could have been really funny. Any movie. Well, and Elf could have be been, been a complete disaster if they cast Jim Carrey. Right. So, so we any can't mo- do coulda, shoulda, wouldas. No. No, but then the premise is, like, I think you knew what it was. So I can't, like, say it's a horrible movie if that's what it was going for. I think, I it, also says, I think it also says something that, and, you, that none of us actually knew that's what it was. Like, you have these things. Was it or wasn't it? Krampus was very self-aware throughout the whole thing. You knew what it was. They knew what it was. This one, But again, Krampus wasn't trying to be bad. I know. Wanted the, I don't be, know that this was trying to be bad, though. Okay, and then my other struggle is, again, I feel like Julia said, in a Mystery Science Theater 3000 type of way, I would enjoy watching this again and ripping on it with my friends. Like if we were, you know, it was a rainy or snowy night, just hanging out at home drinking, like, hey, this is a perfect movie to put on for that. It really is. I feel like all of the qualifiers really are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that's more... We're putting a lot of restrictions. ...the pudding that... (laughs) 
we're really having to stretch the fact that this movie should be high on the list. But I gave. <clears throat> But I have to go based on how I've graded in the past. And I set the precedent for myself with I'll Be Home for Christmas when I gave it that extra half a point. Because of what I said, like, come to head, I'd rather watch it over Arthur Christmas. All boils down to that. This is a real struggle. <laughs> Do either of you want to make any final appeals to me? Because I, I need help. I need help. This movie sucks. <laughs> I I would rather watch all, all things considered taking Mystery Science Theater 3000 out of the equation. I would watch Arthur Christmas or I'll Be Home for Christmas before I would watch this again, save the opening scene. Okay. So, I'm going to preface my score by saying this. If you put those three movies together and let me pick any of them for a Mystery Science Theater type of viewing, I would this pick is this number one. one. No down. question. Yes. I can't though justify scoring this one above either of those two movies and i feel like as much as it pains me to say it as much as i hate arthur christmas if i'm judging it based on merits and christmas movies and what i'd rather watch around christmas time over the other i can't even give it the same score as arthur christmas it can't touch arthur christmas it's just a matter of how low i want to go so i'm gonna give it i give arthur Christmas of four. I'm gonna give this a one point five. <laughs> All right, I can I can definitely I see where you're coming from with that. I really do. That gives us a, an average of point eight three. Definitely making it the bottom of our list and the new uh, movie to race to the bottom. Question mark. <laughs> uh, Please so. beat. Please, I, I hope we don't. I, I really don't want to see anything this bad again, which is why we've left some movies off of our list. Like the Kirk Cameron Saves Christmas movie is not one we've con- we're actually considering because I think that may be worse than this. And dear, dear, dear listeners, we're sorry for this film. If you're following our uh, us along this journey, we're going to call Mulligan on this one. Things are going to get better. I promise. Just give us a little bit of time next week we've got if you want to donate money to us we will do a commentary track for this film for you and then you can and then you can listen to you listen to us rip on it in a mystery science theater type of way hey do we want tom's got the gears moving in it do we want to set a goal for that i would i i'm totally cool with doing that i was joking but i would i honestly honestly do that oh but then i have to watch it again well, it would be fun if the three of us are watching it together and ripping on it. Okay, yeah. Julie, if we do this, you and I are in real life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'd have we, to. Sure. We have to be in the same place. And yeah. I can be willing to do that. We don't have a lot of expenses. Fortunately, we've, we've paid everything up. But it would be nice to have some, some money to do like a promo or get some shirts or something that we can send out to our faithful view listeners. Sure. We want to set a goal for like 100 bucks. If we get 100 bucks, we'll watch this movie again. With, and do the live commentary. And do a live, live and give you guys... Yeah. Give you guys a secret password protected donor only live commentary. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. that sounds great. All right, dear listeners. If you so want to. We'll set up a Patreon or something. Yeah, if you guys want to listen to us do this, get us to $100 and we'll make it happen. We'll um, give you, you more will. details next week with, you know, how to donate to us. You can subject us to this horrible film again for the small price of $100. <laughs> Is that what it's going to become? 
like a sabotage. I feel sabotage like a jar. We're, we're, we're breaking. We're scraping the bottom now, guys. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, we got another iTunes review this week that was really pretty great. Julia, do you mind reading that for us? Yeah. So it's from double B underscore 78 titled great podcast, five stars. Thank you. Super sweet review. And here it is. I love Christmas and this is a podcast gem. I ran into this podcast by chance and I'm thankful that I did. The hosts have awesome chemistry and it's fun to hear them discuss the world of Christmas movies and Christmas in general. I have a long drive to work each day and this is one of my weekly listens that makes that drive a little bit better. If you love movies and or Christmas, give it a listen. Thank you so much. What an awesome review. It's so sweet. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that got him entered into our drawing for the awesome uh, Uncle Eddie Funko Pop action figure. That's still going. And if you want to get into that, leave us a review on iTunes and or Facebook. Um, You get a drawing for each review you do. And we're going to do that drawing the night of Halloween, um, October 31st. When we record, we will make an announcement of the winners on Monday, November 6th. So next week, I think... All three of us are excited to follow this episode with an undisputed Christmas classic. We will be covering a Muppets Christmas Carol starring Michael Caine and Kermit the Frog. Guys, this is going to be a much-needed palate cleanse for me after this week. It really is. I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow, and then I'll watch it again later this week just to, to cleanse my eyes from what I have seen and my ears from what I have heard. But all that said, I have a question for you guys and for our listeners. Of course, listener, uh, let us know. What do you think about Santa Slay? What did we get right? What did we get wrong in our review? But I'm going to start with Julia. Julia, what's a fun Christmas tradition that you keep every year that others don't? Maybe something unique to your family? Um, well, I don't know if it's necessarily unique to our family, but I can tell you about some cool traditions that we do. Um, so every year we let the kids pick out a brand new ornament for their trees, usually in early November when they still are pretty stocked on ornaments. And I imagine that's probably not unique to many people, but it's one that I love with our family. And then um, we make a point to every year driving through the Garden of Lights in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Now, for those of you obviously listening outside of Oklahoma, um, Garden of Lights is a really cool drive-through Christmas light experience south of Tulsa in Muskogee. Um, It's coordinated with the music in your car and you tune to it and you just slowly drive through the park and it's super fun. And two years ago, we took a hayride through it with my sister-in-law and that was like super duper, duper, duper cool. And I want to make that our new tradition. So I'm hoping we can kick that back up again. Last year I had a new, new baby. Um, This year I don't. So I'm hoping we can make that our new tradition. Um, Because beyond that, we love the whole Christmas light and Starbucks hot chocolate stuff where we get the hot chocolate and we drive around and we look at Christmas lights and we listen to Christmas music. That sounds That's my magical. Favorite. It is magical. I love it. What about you, Anthony? I don't know if I have a tradition that other families, you know, that's unique specifically to my family. Now, every year we drive around an area around here looking at all the Christmas lights too. Not coordinated to music. New Yorkers uh, complain about those flashing lights. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I tried racking my brain. I can't think of a tradition that I have that other families wouldn't have. Boring answer this week. No, there's nothing boring about that. (laughs) What about you, Tom? For years now, Christine and I do a a Christmas ornament swap. 
that we do together. We make ornaments with 10 of them um, and send them to people around the world. And then we get 10 handmade ornaments back. And we've got, you know, cool stuff from uh, Finland, from Denmark, from Sweden, from England, from Canada, from Germany. We've done it so long now that one of our Christmas trees in our house is all handmade ornaments. So that's really kind of cool. It's uh, the handmade aesthetic is something that's really been important to Christine. She's influenced me and, and made me a fan as well. So that's kind of cool. And we, you know, we talk about the ornaments where we got them and we're going to share How do you with find Ellie. people to swap with? There's an ornament swap that the sign up should be coming up for. We'll add it to the show notes. Oh, cool. Um, and then they just pair you up with 10 people. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun tradition that we do um, that I'm, I'm really excited for our daughter to be old enough to be participate in and help make the ornaments and send them. Um, and we've got some ornaments that were obviously, you know, somebody's kids made them and it was really excited for the kids. So those are kind of fun to put up too. You know, we don't put them right in the front. Other people's kids' uh, <laughs> ornaments don't go on the front of the tree, but they definitely have a place on ours. We do that and then... Um, this year, I'm starting with our teens at church doing the Starbucks Christmas light looking. So getting all of them piled into a big vehicle we rent and going to look at Christmas lights. And yeah, that won't be our family, but that'll be my, my parish family. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's cool. So in high school, my brother is one of the coolest human beings that's ever walked the face of the earth. He would gather a group of his friends to go caroling. <laughs> as high schooler and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever because anything he did was the coolest thing ever right so for like a year or two when I was in high school we got together and we did caroling too which basically just mean means that we went to all of our respective parents houses and sang like half a song before everybody stopped singing because it was you know a little too much and <laughs> where my what where my where my wife is from in Canada they used to go mummering all the time so that's a cool mummering mummering do you guys know what mummering is no okay so I found the tradition really weird but I guess I didn't grow up with it but it's a big Newfoundland thing I think it's originally from Ireland Newfoundland has a lot of Irish people so I guess that's why it's over there too I know Philadelphia, I think, has a mummering parade every year, but it's um, where you dress up in like different layers of clothing. Um, you basically disguise your appearance. I'll, so I'll show you pictures of mummers. Like a lot of them will kind of look like almost like ghost-like. And you go to people's houses and traditionally in the old days, you would be dressed up and disguised and nobody would know who you are. And you're, they're supposed to let you in and basically feed you and give you hot chocolate and drinks, you know, try to guess your identity. And you're supposed to stay there till you get till they guess your identity. A lot of people nowadays, because of how the world is, just go to people's houses that they know, like family or friends or whoever. And usually they'll have some kind of idea in advance you're coming, so they're not letting in a stranger. But um yeah, there's a big mummers festival. Throughout St. John's every year, where people will dress up and like it's a big parade, and Santa comes at the end of it. And wow, that's cool! Yeah, I've so, never heard of that. So, we so have a few been... mummers for our tree. Um, yeah, they're pretty cool. I'll, I'll put some pictures in the show notes or send some to Tom to put in the show notes. And friends out there listening, if you've if you've been mummering, shoot us a uh, shoot us some pictures. We'd love to share those on social media and talk about the, the practice. I did never heard of it. That sounds like so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a shame because you know, as the world changed, you know, it kind of became a little less safe to do that. But on both sides, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? You might let in a uh, Santa the year after his after the curse wears it off. Right. So as always. Um, you know, thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoy the content we put out every week, please subscribe on iTunes or 
Google Play or Stitcher. And please, 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 please leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook or wherever you're listening to this because every review helps more people find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer year-round to other people. If you want to do that out of the goodness of your hearts for us, that would be awesome. If you want to do it just to, for a chance to win a Cousin Eddie action pop Funko figure, that would that's okay too. Every review counts, every subscriber counts, so please, if you could do that, we'd appreciate it. And... Only 70 days till Christmas, guys. Hey. Get your shopping done. Woo-woo. <laughs> Thanks Bye again guys. for listening, everyone. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Bye. Christmas in Detroit, down with the style. From the Straits of Gibraltar to the tip of Belle Isle. Christmas in Detroit, check it and see.